The following is an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation. Welcome to the Pirate Radio Podcast, featuring special guests discussing a wide range of topics and personal stories. The Pirate Radio Podcast is presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Nothing tastes quite like it. Visit WhiteClaw.com today. White Claw Hard Seltzer, proudly distributed by Coastal Beverage. Please drink responsibly. Now live from the Pirate Radio Studio, here's Shirley Rhodes. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pirate Radio Podcast featuring ECU Athletics Director John Gilbert. The Pirate Radio Podcast is brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. On today's podcast, Troy Dreyfus will have a great discussion on the state of ECU athletics. Sit back and relax. Today's Pirate Radio Podcast, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer with ECU Athletics Director John Gilbert, starts right now. And welcome into the Pirate Radio Podcast. Great to have John Gilbert alongside ECU Athletic Director. John, thanks for joining us today. Great to see you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's, uh, before we get to down in the weeds with the ECU stuff, I want to take it back a little bit. Uh, man, you're 30 years deep into college athletics and administration. Does it feel like you've been in it for 30 years already? It, it really doesn't. And I, I think, you know, for me, I, I kind of came up the hard way. I was a graduate assistant football coach. Uh, th- then I took a um, you know position a, a full time temporary position at Alabama where I made twelve thousand five hundred a year plus benefits and, and really kind of have progressed from there. So it really doesn't seem like that long uh, because I've moved into different opportunities every couple years that that has really kept me energized. Kind of keeps it fresh. It does. In many ways. Well, what made you get into? Uh, administration of athletics uh, you probably have a sports background but at what point did you say man this is something i could do as a living well i really thought i was going to coach and that was really my career path but i'd been married maybe um you know eight months and my wife was actually offered an assistant swimming uh coaching position at alabama uh, she was a swimmer there and so we she took the job we moved to tuscaloosa i thought uh, you know, I'll get a high school coaching job or something along those lines. Basketball, football, football. All right. And then the then the the position in the athletic department opened up where, you know, it wasn't very much pay, but it was a you know a foot foot in, and decided to take it and haven't looked back. If you weren't in athletic administration, and you might have already answered this potentially by your last response what would you be doing would it be well, coaching well i'm going to count coaching as being in athletics okay, fair enough. If what I would you be doing if that, you were in I'd, athletics yeah. i'd probably be like a high school principal or something or a you know you could uh, john now that i look at you you'd make a great high school like you kind of have the principal look a little bit yeah i, pro- I probably would and uh, good demeanor for that yeah yeah i, I you know i think you've got to be a high school principal you have to be somewhat even keel yeah. You can't be, you know, off the charts either way because there's always an incident. Right. There's always a fire to put out, and that's kind of like athletics for you now. So yeah, I think pr- you've got pr- the good. You could be, much. you could be a great principal, Gilbert. Yeah, we, we would. Uh, we, there would be no bells. We would change classes on music. So, so I, I'd go through. Uh, you know, rap, uh, southern rock, country. You know, we'd hit all the genres. I like it. Already making good changes. All right, uh, John Gilbert, once again, joining us, ECU Athletic Director on the Pirate Radio Podcast. John, I'm losing track of time now. We've mentioned you've been in the business for 30 years. East Carolina, what are we, a couple years deep now? Yeah, a little over two years. Yeah. December 1 was, was two years. 
gone by in some ways it feels like it's gone by like it seems like you just got here and then i know what you're getting ready to say in some ways it probably feels like you've been here 20 years after last year well well last year in particular the covid year it felt like a dog year yeah uh so it wasn't a normal year so if you count that as seven and then your year before you've been here eight years john yeah yeah (laughs) it's uh you know it's been tough on everybody it's tough on our coaches it's tough on our student athletes it's tough on our staff you know, in so many ways, it's a year of survival uh, until we can get back to normal. When you look back at last year, uh, first of all, is is that been the toughest year you've ever faced? I guess it, it professionally in in your in the business, it, it was or is. Uh, it, it's tough from a uh, mental side. It's tough from, you know, the, the physical element of it, just all the way around, you know, just so many things that you were dealing with unexpected that you're not really trained for. Yeah. You know, if I had to go back again and, and know that I was going to work in, um, college athletics for as long as I'm working in I think my undergraduate degree would probably be in like psychology and then then I would get a law degree yeah uh you know with probably an MBA minor that's you know what that's a good skill set because you're dealing with people so the psychology degree would be good and then you're dealing with a lot of contracts yeah well well, just the legal like everything you're dealing with legal I, I talk to legal a lot you know, the the contracts is really a small piece of it when you talk about, you know, just day to day things. Yeah, and, uh, it's it's important. What what lessons have you learned over the past twelve months? And because we're getting ready to hit the anniversary, and, and as we said, that that last year has been a long year. Even and it's affected everybody different. We've talked about this off the air. You know, some people have, um, you know, it's affected their business where they've had to close. Some people in business have had record years. It really just depends on your situation. But regardless of, of how it's affected you financially, it's affected you, and it's had a situation on people's health, mental being, financial status, all of those things. What are the lessons you've learned over the past 11, 12 months or so? Well, I think the the first lesson I've learned is how important it is to communicate and. You know, we went through a, a number of things in our department, you know, furloughs, payroll reductions, reductions of budget, budgets, you know, um, really important that your staff hears it from you. So I think communication really is important. I think maintaining a positive attitude uh, is really important. You know, we... we um, It'd be easy to, to have a negative attitude right now yeah. or, or or through this piece. Yeah. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, maintaining a positive attitude, you know, making sure that you're aligned with campus. You know, Ron Mitchelson's been great throughout this process. And, you know, I feel like I'm where athletics is very aligned with campus uh, as far as our operations, what we're doing, keeping them informed. Um and then I think the other piece is conveying that, you know, despite all these things, there's still expectations. You know, you have to come to work and do a good job. You're still going to be held accountable. We still want to win. Uh, you know, th- those really are my lessons learned. 
when you look going forward now, knock on wood, it looks like things are starting to get better. The the COVID numbers, the bad numbers are going in the right direction as far as the amount of infections and hospitalizations, the amount of um, uh, vaccines are going way up and going to continue. Uh, they just approved the new, a third new one that you've seen with Johnson right. & Johnson, which is going to be widely available soon for folks. Um, so it looks like the future is getting bright in a hurry. The governor's eased up on some of these restrictions, can now have fans at baseball games, which we couldn't have you know, before. So things are getting better, but, and hopefully they'll continue to get better, but what is the latest, you know, when you look ahead three, six, nine months into the crystal ball, which you've got, you know, really just this, the rest of this year, it's hard to get too far more than that. Uh, what are the challenges that you face that you feel you'll have to overcome going forward? Well, I think really for for me, for, for the immediate future, there are really three things I'm kind of focusing on. Uh, one is stabilizing our budget. Um, it's a year of survival, but where we can get revenue, we want to get revenue. So stabilizing our budget. Uh, two, uh, competitive excellence. Like I, w- we need to win and uh, winning's important. Uh, you know, doing it the right way, having fun, all, all those things, but winning's important. You know, this weekend was a great example of that. Uh, volleyball with a great win, softball, uh, baseball won on the road, a, a series on the road against a really good team. Uh, e- even our lacrosse team, they played a really good uh, team, highly ranked team in, in Duke uh, yesterday, but I can clearly see our teams getting better. Um, so so I think it's important to have the excellence on the field. Uh, and then the third piece would be our student-athlete life. You know, we, we, I want to make sure that we're engaging them, helping them through this process, and, you know, providing all that we can provide for them to be successful. And, and this kind of ties into some of what you were talking about a second ago there, John. But as far as goals for this program, and, and you know, you always have big picture goals. Everybody wants to win championships and those uh, standard things that, of course, are always goals. But what are realistic goals for this program going forward? What What is when you look into the rest of 2021, what is realistic goals for ECU Athletics? Well, well, I think the three things I just mentioned are realistic goals. I, I, I do think we can stabilize or you know begin the process of stabilizing our budget. We you know we can win you know and winning's important. Um, you know I think it's a. a you know, it's an important. I, I think really, Troy, if I had to sum sum it up, is we, we need to change the narrative, and the narrative has been, you know, we're we're um, struggling financially, and we haven't done much uh, as a matter of success, you know, on the field or the court, and I think we've got to change that. And I think this weekend was a a great indicator that uh, we can. Uh, I, I look at our volleyball match yesterday, and I saw something this morning where some volleyball score predictor we had like an eight percent chance of winning, mm-hmm. and we won in three. Yep. And you look at how, um, you know, the team we beat. You look at how they're funded compared to how we're funded. Yeah, which was UNC for folks that yeah, don't know. Bi- yeah, big big difference. Yeah. 
um but we still won yeah like our 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 student athletes and our coaches they found a way and and so i don't want us relying on all the things of we can't do it because of this like we we really can and and so i think you know the competitive excellence piece is important not trying to make excuses for you but uh, as you know you inherited a lot of problems as you came into this uh, position and the the folks that were here before you i think sometimes did a good job of, of not being as transparent as you guys have been or, or communicating as much as you guys have been about the issue. Sometimes there was a nothing to see here attitude, but the numbers are the numbers and eventually the numbers don't lie. And when I talk about the numbers, I'm talking about financially and there's still a hole to dig out of. What is the realistic and, and you guys have tried to do a lot. You've cut to the bone, it seems yeah. like. I want to get more on that in a little bit, but what is the realistic no as you finished up a terrible year in 2020 for everybody which we had problems beforehand but the pandemic only you know put a gaslight to it um what are the what what is the hole issues trying to dig out of right now what well it's it's significant in that all of our revenue pieces have been stripped away from us you know little to no ticket sales in football no ticket sales in basketball we're going to have very limited attendance in baseball and then you get a trickle down of concessions sponsorship dollars um, licensing dollars i mean it just multiplies itself so i i think our total number you know we're going to be in or around 20 million dollars in lost revenue now you know, since the middle of March, we've also said that just for one year is that the cumulative number? What one year? Okay, one year. Uh, so we've saved probably or cut nine million dollars worth of expenses since the middle of March, and so we, we've been fiscally responsible, you, you know, in how we've managed this. Uh, but but at some point, uh, we've got to be able to you know, generate revenue and, and kind of get back to normal. Talking to John Gilbert, he is ECU Athletic Director and uh, in year, going into year three now, leading the Pirates athletically. And John, we, we talked about how you guys are trying to save money. I think you, you've, you've looked at every line item and, and tried to cut where you can cut, and, but you still, there's certain things you can't eliminate. And I remember last year, you guys, it, it, nobody wants to see sports eliminated, but I remember when that happened and under you and Ron Mitchelson's leadership saying, hey, look, we've got to, we can't fund all these non-revenue sports. This is going to have, we're going to have to cut these four. And I thought it made a lot of sense. And once again, I, nobody's a cheerleader going, yeah, awesome. You know, let's get rid of all these people's jobs and scholarships. But I understood running a business, I get it. You have to make tough decisions. Um, I, as I said, I get it. I, I think most people, unless it was directly affecting you, most people understood the decision that was made. My question is, why the decision to add them back? I know there was an attorney out of California that was threatening a lawsuit to the university, but the university has a team of attorneys that they keep on staff all all the time. Why not let that go to a, a, a lawsuit and state your case? And this is why we can't do it. And this is why we feel we're still compliant in Title IX. And go ahead and, and not cave into their pressure, so to speak. Well, I, I think when you look at the totality of it all, uh, the the best direction you know was to reinstate uh, the two women's sports uh, if you look at what went on nationally so so nationally you had five six schools uh, that did a similar thing to ECU some of them went to court 
uh, and all of them had the same outcome, like, like everyone. Uh, of reinstating uh, the sport, and so as we we looked at that and, and talked to, you know, Title IX attorneys, etc., we, we felt like that was the best direction for us is to reinstate the two. Um, you know, we hired uh, Matt Jabs and Kirsten Burgess, both former pirates. Uh, back to their position that they've been extremely professional in how they've handled themselves uh it it is a difficult situation it wasn't personal um you know we're gonna welcome them back and we have welcomed them back and and we're gonna you know do everything we can to support those two programs and obviously the supporters of those programs are ecstatic and they're glad to have them back but it's just a situation of college athletics i think ecu situation is not that different from even some big schools that are losing millions and millions of dollars a year well when you look at the the model that or the foundation that college athletics is built upon it is broken it is not uh, long-term sustainable. Um, we have one, maybe two sports that bring in revenue to cover themselves. The, the rest of them do not. And so you have to find ways to fund all of these things to be competitive. And, and it's difficult when, when – uh, you know, when the lack of revenue comes in, I mean, you can only cut so many things. I agree with you. I think the model is broken. I agree 100%. I guess the big question is, how do you fix it? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, you know, th- this is just my own personal opinion, no one else's. Uh, I, I do think when you look at conference membership, uh, you know, and, and let's look at where the dollars come from from being in a conference. They come from essentially TV money. You, you know, your TV yep. contract, and the the uh, TV networks will tell you they're paying eighty percent for football, twenty percent for men's basketball. That's really what they're funding. Mm-hmm. So would it make sense for us to be in the American, which I think is a great conference for us uh, of where we are, could we be in the American athletic and football, men's and women's basketball, but maybe be in a more regional conference for everything else? Now, the reality is probably a lot of the big conferences want nothing to do with that, which makes it difficult from a scheduling standpoint. But things like that make a lot of sense to me um, on on what the future could look like. I, I tend to agree with you. And I think it reminds me back in the 90s when, when ECU was independent in football. They weren't in a conference, but the, the, they basically made their own conference. And when you could do that back in those days. Nowadays, it's impossible to really survive as independent. But And then they were in the Colonial for the other sports, which right. was a great conference at the time, I thought, because all those games, especially basketball, baseball, where well, they were all, you get in a car and no game was further than like two or three hours away at the most. Right. Um, maybe American was in it at the time up in D.C. was a little bit, but you could still bus there. Uh, no one had to get on a plane to go do those games. So I do see what you're saying. If you don't have to charter and you don't have to buy airfare, which is only getting more and more expensive, it would be a huge savings. It, it would. It really would. Um just curious, what is the most asked question you get? Lately, the most asked question is, why can't I get into the baseball game? Yeah, that's uh, a good one. And, and you know, 
I, I hate it for our fan base because if you look at what we do, you, you know, we, we really do say, hey, we want as many people to come that can come. And during this pandemic and during this piece, we're having to tell people, we're sorry, you can't come. And that goes against everything that we've ever done in college athletics, in the history of college athletics. Yeah. So, so it really is another hit from the pandemic. And, and the only way for us to fairly allocate is to say we, we've got to base it off a of priority yeah and, and so one of the, a couple of things that we're doing uh as it relates to baseball one we spent some time in the jungle yesterday setting up chairs and kind of measuring everything i do think we're going to get some additional seats in that maybe some individuals that were on the cut line uh that we might be you know, giving them another correspondence that says, "Hey, we we're we're creating some additional inventory. We think you're going to make it." The downside is, based on social distancing, um, you know, w- people may not be sitting in their exact seats, right? And, and so that's really tough because if, if and you told me last week, even like the jungle seats, you're going to have to be in a seat in the jungle. You, you are going to be... have to be in a seat. Now you you can stand up. We're not okay. saying you can't stand up in the jungle, <laughs> but you're going to be like assigned an area. Basically, you're, you're going to be assigned an area, and that's yeah. all based on this ordinance. This right. is not a John Gilbert or yeah. East Carolina mandate. Uh, we're following you know, state and local guidelines. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I hope people will understand that. Well, and, and your hands are tied. And, and I've tried to explain that to people too. Look, you'd love to have as many people, you'd want to have 6,000 people a game if you no could. Doubt. And hopefully by the end of the season, we can get back there. But right now the numbers, you, you guys are allowing 1,200 in um, from what you had told me I yep. believe on Friday. Yes. But, and this is my, I was talking with Ellerby about this earlier. I think for people to understand how, why it's so tight, if you hold back 400 of those tickets, let's say for players, parents, personnel, and maybe some students, that leaves 800 tickets left for the Pirate Club. Well, by the time, if you just go to the top 200 donors, the Pirate Club, they each order four tickets. Those 800 are gone with just 200 people. They are. So I think when you explain it that way to folks, it does, like, even though, hey, look, it's great that they're top, you know, we, we have someone that's, you know, ranked 700 at the Pirate Club, which is great, but it doesn't take much for those 1200 which is down to 800 to get gobbled up right it it does not and and so uh, again goes against everything that we believe in athletics from an attendance standpoint but we're going to manage it the best we can want to circle back on the conference talk you mentioned earlier about you know big picture things so what could be done in the future but what about expansion of the american conference there's a lot of talk about boise state potentially coming in football only that's been in a lot of media reports lately mike oresco is very quiet about it which means you know if it wasn't possible he would go ahead and shoot it down but he's not saying anything what do you think about expanding with a team like boise state for football only well you know the commissioner's keeping quiet so my remarks will be measured but i i I would say this in general when you look at where we are uh as a league we've got a great league as a football i mean our, our football league is really tough uh really good schools but we we really are aspiring to you know, when the next round of discussions with the playoff, if if the playoffs expanded, we, we certainly want to seat at the table given the strength of our conference. And I do think that our conference has separated itself from the other group of five type schools. And, and so the more that we can strengthen our conference to have a better seat at the table, uh, I'm all for that. 
Uh, you mentioned baseball getting you know fans back in the in the stands, which will start this week. Basketball uh, starting. We're just glad to have basketball starting back, right? Yeah, we, we are now. Is that knock on wood? Is that still happening? No, no. It's uh, we're, we're going to. I don't want to jinx anything. No, we'll we'll play Central Florida Thursday at nine. I think it's an ESPNU telecast. Uh, the reason for the late tip. Uh, and I've got to look into this. If this is the latest tip-off time for ECU basketball, there might have been one other nine o'clock start. I'm, but I'm sure there's probably that's a Tom a McClellan question. Right I, there. I am definitely going to have to try to catch a quick 20-minute nap. I was going to say that's a late night right there. I, I you know, I'm normally uh, in bed by ten. I know. I was going to say nine thirty for a guy like you. But yeah, yeah, usually nine thirty well, to ten. That last thirty minutes is wind down time. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to get a nap. But so, so we're we're really. But how many for, fans are going to be able to come in? For um, I I think we're going to have somewhere around 900 to 1,000 for that game. And have those been, are those as tight as we're baseball not, or not quite yet? Not quite. We're not actually going to sell tickets to it uh, just because of the quick turnaround. Yeah. What we are going to do is target our students. You know, they're they're just getting going at 9 o'clock at night. True. Uh, and so I'm hopeful that we'll get a big student turnout for but that at game. At least to have some atmosphere in there. 900 students can make a lot of noise. They can make a lot of noise. And then donors, you know, will go by priority that, that want to go to the game. They'll be able to go. Uh, the big news is also football season tickets launching. So people can actually order those now. And I know you're excited. And I think by the fall, hopefully things are almost fully operational i really think they could be and probably should be so you guys are expecting hopefully uh you know a, a big opportunity to try and recapture some of this lost revenue i know with football yeah what we are selling tickets as normal uh i'm you know i love our our schedule we've got a really good home schedule obviously our first home game will be south carolina uh sec school coming to greenville uh, those games don't happen often. They're really hard to get. Uh, they are coming. Uh, and, and, you know, I want to see a full Dowdy Ficklin. You know, I've been here two years, obviously, take away the pandemic year. I think the biggest crowd we had my first year was right around 40,000 uh, for William & Mary. I, I really would like to see what a full house looks like in Dowdy Ficklin. I'd like to see it again, too. Well, it's good it's for everybody. While, so. You know, we should have a great student turnout for that game. And honestly, football is the moneymaker at East Carolina. I mean, if football can't be successful financially, we're in big trouble. It, it all starts with football. So it, everything else is important, uh, but financially it starts there. What are the pending needs for football? Is it, and they've had, it like everybody, had to do more with less. But yeah. uh, the, and the facilities have greatly enhanced over the years. I mean, East Carolina's come light years from where it used to be. But what are what are the future projects you've got an eye on, like you, wish list? You, you know, what, one thing that I'm working on is a second weight room. Uh, what we really do need an additional weight room space. Uh, we're working on that now. For athletics? For athletics. That wasn't part of Grady White's gift uh, going to help fund that? Yeah, uh, yes, we'll, we'll target uh, some of that money to help fund uh, to fund a second weight room. We still, you know, we still have some approval processes to go through, mm -hmm. uh, but but working towards that. Uh, but that would help where multiple teams can work out at the same time, where everybody's correct. not fighting for the same that, equipment that, at the same time. That, that's correct. You, you know, most places, well, every place that I've been they've had multiple weight rooms yeah. you know we've had one and the one we have is extremely nice uh i'd like to have kind of an auxiliary weight room where yep. we have additional space where, where 
you know more student athletes can can get in yeah and if football's working in the murphy center then the baseball team could work out at yeah, the yes, other one or, yes. or some other team and, and i think um you know the other piece obviously i'd like an indoor football building uh, i think there's some models out there that that you know could be reasonable that we could fundraise for uh, I, I think it's an important piece to help move our program forward. Uh, obviously, that's high on my list as well. And if you had an indoor football facility, as you know, it could be utilized for other sports when football's not in there. So it'd be a multi-purpose building in many ways. Where would you put it, John, if you could pick right now? You, you know, no location set in stone at this point. But, but I do think, back to your comment, you know, everywhere I've been that's had an indoor building, everyone's used it so it's not just to relegated to one sport you know baseball softball soccer lacrosse track you know oh yeah everybody that is outdoors uh they have an opportunity to to get work in and practice time and individual time in when weather or nightfall or you know whatever you want to call it the weather condition it, it does provide enhanced opportunity for them john gilbert wants to get join us on the pirate radio podcast thanks for tuning in wherever you might be and uh, john it's now over one year since you've had an official director of the pirate club uh, ron robinson's assumed that role with his other responsibilities what what is the timeline and i guess even before we talk about the, the pirate club director position what do you see the future of fundraising because i know there was changes you guys want to make with the structure of the pirate club you've had a lot of folks retired there's been a lot of changes over there in personnel you've kind of got an opportunity to kind of start from scratch in many ways what how do you see the future of fundraising and specifically the future of the pirate club well i certain i certainly think we need to evolve uh in in our fundraising efforts and i do think we're headed in that direction uh, obviously we we've had some turnover in the pirate club R- ryan's done a really good job of of uh, leading the office while still doing his his other duties and r- really i'm looking at um you know someone to manage both uh, the revenue side from a, a fundraising standpoint, but also have their hands in the other pieces of revenue. Uh, so um, I, I think, you know, certainly someone like Ryan, he can handle both. Uh, we also need to, to support the Pirate Club from some staffing positions. You know, Mark Hessert's been uh, working with the Pirate Club, I think, for 30 plus years. He's retiring soon. It's going to be an important role to fill just because of the you know the institutional knowledge that someone like uh mark has had Mm -hmm. you know he's done a very good job with with that position but but getting some positions filled is really important like when the pandemic hit I, i think at one time we had 15 plus positions that were not filled and it, it's not that we didn't need those positions, but we decided to not fill them based on the funding and, you know, could we get by without it? For the longest time, we've had one person in the ticket office. Uh, we're just now starting to fill those positions back uh, because we're going to play multiple events. I mean, we, we need, need to bodies. sell tickets again. We, we yeah. need bodies. And so you'll, you'll see us uh, ramping up our efforts in that regard. Got a new chancellor coming in officially this month. He'll be starting the job in, in mere days officially, probably already uh, 
actively working now. Well, we'll be talking with him soon on a uh, future Pirate Radio podcast in just a couple of weeks. But um, by the org chart, I believe that's your new boss coming in. So wh- what is your relationship with him? And uh, the good news is he seems to be very pro-athletics. Yeah, I, I think, um, y- you know, certainly excited about Chancellor Rogers, uh, you know, starting, I think, March 15th, his first date. Um, I've met with him multiple times and have talked to him on the phone uh, here or there. Looking forward to having him here. Um, you know, can't say enough about what Ron Mitchelson's done in his tenure. He, he has been extremely supportive of me personally and our athletic department. And, and just, you know, when you're in a leadership role, you have to make difficult decisions. And there's a segment of the population that you know, doesn't like maybe the decisions you make. And, and I think uh, Ron has been a, uh, a really good leader in a very difficult time for this institution. I would like to second your opinion on that. And, and I think Ron has done a great job of trying to steady the ship under very tumultuous, tum- very rough waters, I should yeah, say. Yes. A little bit easy for me to say, right? Um, but Ron's done a great job, not just the past couple of years as, as interim chancellor, but um, – really since his, he's been here at East Carolina, formerly as provost and, and just a, a great asset to this university. He, he really has. And and, and I think um, Chancellor Rogers coming in, you know, obviously having worked here before has great institutional knowledge, but, but it'll be different. He, you know, it's not the same. He's, you know, coming into a new role. And, and so uh, I'm looking forward to, to working with him. And, and uh, yes, he is my new boss. So I'll be reporting directly to him. John, before we let you get out of here, we've got a lot of folks listening across the Pirate Nation. Uh, what would your message to them be? Well, my, my message is we, we want to re-engage with you. Uh, you know, this this last year has been extremely difficult. You know, Pirate fans, uh, more than most, they, they want face-to-face interaction, face-to-face engagement. You know, they want to put your their hands on you, so to speak. And, and so... I'm looking forward to that re-engagement. It, it's going to start this spring with all of our spring sports and the opportunity for our, our fan base to engage. And then, obviously, w- we need everyone uh, to support this football program. If, if people care about East Carolina, if they care about our athletic department and Pirate Nation, uh, we need them to buy season tickets uh, be a part uh, of the return of Pirate Nation. And honestly, you probably need them now more than ever before. Now more than ever before because of where we are and what what an important year this is uh, for us. But we are changing the narrative. We can win here. We're going to be successful. And, and I'm excited about the direction of our department. I definitely like that uh, attitude. And, and I like that things are getting better. And I think you people can start to sense it. And, and not just with East Carolina, but also just with the overall atmosphere with the pandemic and just the, today's a great example we've had you on the air uh, many times over the past year but a lot of it's been at a distance over on a phone line so yeah, this is a great be, finally be here in person yeah it's great to see you uh face to face but uh, i think things continue to improve for our our, our nation and uh, hopefully also east, east carolina university and ecu athletics specifically which uh, you're responsible for so keep up the good work and i know it's never easy but um that's why you get a paycheck right that's it i i, I love my job i love being here here at ECU, and, and uh, Katie and I really like the Greenville community, so we're, we're going to keep pushing the ball forward. Johnny, any final thoughts before we let you go? 
I, you know, I, I think uh, just back to the whole engagement piece, uh, come be a part of it, come engage with us. Um, it's going to be a fun year. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to have you on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. What a great episode today of the Pirate Radio Podcast with Troy Dreyfus and his special guest, John Gilbert. Special thanks to our sponsor, White Claw Hard Seltzer. Look for White Claw at your favorite retailer next time you're out shopping. White Claw Hard Seltzer, available in five fruit flavors, has two grams of carbs, gluten-free, and 100 calories. And nothing tastes quite like it. We'll be back very soon with another edition of the Pirate Radio Podcast. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in your Apple Store. You can also visit our website at pr927fm.com and follow us on social media at pr927fm to keep up with the latest news and information. Have a great day, everyone. You have been listening to the Pirate Radio Podcast, brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Nothing tastes quite like it. Visit WhiteClaw.com today. White Claw Hard Seltzer, proudly distributed by Coastal Beverage. Please drink responsibly. The Pirate Radio Podcast is an exclusive presentation by Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation.